0: All right, so today we're starting this vision series off uh, looking at John chapter 7, and it's, and it's kind of funny. It's a little I feel a little rueful about this uh, recently. Uh, this is the text, the one that Cindy just read, where we get our name, and yet I've never preached on it before. <laughs> I'm like, got to remedy that at some point. And so here we are, we're going to look at this text that's very special in the life of current. It's why we're current, why we call ourselves current, that we've never looked at together, at least on, uh, at, this, at this level. Uh, so I'm excited to do that with you uh, uh, now. So our, our text begins with John, the gospel writer, saying, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Okay, so before we get to what Jesus says here, uh, let's set a little bit of this context. So we're told he got, got up, stood up, and, and said in a loud voice, On this last day of this festival, this festival that Jesus was at was called the Feast of Tabernacles or in the ancient Hebrew, uh, Sukkot, which more literally means uh, tent or, or booth. It was, uh, it was a celebration that the people of God uh, did every year, around this time of our year, actually, uh, end of September, early October for us, where uh, on this time, at this time of year, they would spend one week uh, living in booths or tents that they prepared. In other words, these little temporary shelters. They would go off, find uh, palm trees and take their leaves and use those to kind of build and, cons- and, and decorate these booths that they lived in. And, and you could just imagine the festivities of everybody doing this, millions of people. It would have been quite the scene. A lot of the celebration really centered in around on the, on the temple. And so uh, this celebration was meant to remind them of God's faithfulness of having brought them through the wilderness and ultimately into the promised land which was a rich part of of their heritage. They were were to really reenact and remember what it was like to live in temporary shelters and and thank God for his kindness and how he had provided for them. And uh, another key element of this celebration that's really important to kind of highlight here because Jesus, in our text, as we'll see, fixes on this, is that uh, on each of these days, what would happen is the priest would go out with a golden jug that they would fill at the waters of this pool called Siloam. There's a, a little ways away from the temple. They'd, they'd fill up the water there at the pool, and then they'd walk back to the temple. And as they were walking back to the temple, just all the people would just process behind them. There'd be this big line of uh, procession behind them, and they'd all sing from Isaiah chapter 12 these words, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So you can just imagine the scene. You know, the priest with their golden jug of water heading back towards the temple. All the people just lined up behind them singing, with joy, you, O Lord, will draw water from the wells of salvation. And then there at the altar near the temple, they would pour out the water. And of course, this was just a reminder of how God had, during their time of the wilderness, provided for them in a very real way of giving them water. Okay, when you're out in the wilderness with lots and lots of people, water is kind of an important thing. And there were times during that extended period of them being in the wilderness where they weren't near rivers, they weren't near an oasis, and God would provide in a miraculous way, say having his servant Moses strike a rock and give them water. God, would provide, God provided for them water and they would reenact that. They would re-depict that in this celebration. And Jesus was there watching it all. And as he watched it all, we find out that on the last day he had seen enough and he felt like he had to say something. Like you can just feel the force of the wording here. He stood up and said in a loud voice. If you've read the accounts of Jesus, he didn't say a lot of things in a loud voice. But it's just coming out of him. And it's worth noting that at this point in in John's account, chapter 7, we already know that the religious leaders were looking for a time to, quote, seize Jesus and kill him. Jesus had actually gone to this festival secretly because he knew people were looking for him. And yet, after watching this ritual happen day after day, on the last day, he couldn't take it anymore. He he had to say something. He was risking his life. He had to say something. And what we have from him is not a lecture, not a three-point sermon, just what amounts to be two sentences in our English language. Here's what he says. He gets up in a loud voice and he says... Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. That's it. Two sentences. And with this promise came everything. It's why we call ourselves current. This is the gospel. This is the good news. It's captured in these two verses. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink, and from within them will flow rivers of of living water. Some of you, I'm sure when you first heard our name was current, maybe you still do, thought that we're referring to current as an up-to-date. You know, we're trying to be here and now, and, you know, we're current in the sense of we're relevant. And, you know, while that's not what we're going for, that's not the reason why we're called current, I'm actually fine with that, because the word of God and his message is timeless truth. It's as it says in Hebrews 4, it is, his word is alive and active. It is very much relevant to our lives. It is for the here and now, just as much as it, when it had first been spoken or when it had first been written. So I like that part of our name, but that's not why we, called ourselves, why we call ourselves current. Uh, back when I experienced what I just call, for lack of a better word here, a vision moment where I just felt just an impression from the Lord to, in community, start this church, I saw a picture of a river with a flowing current. Uh, If any any of you have ever been uh, whitewater rafting, uh, you know that rivers can have really strong currents. Cindy and I, uh, on our sabbatical, took the kids whitewater rafting. And when we did this, I was actually a little nervous because I'm the only one in the family who's really done any river rafting, and I've done enough whitewater rafting to know there's really two kinds. There's a the kind where you just kind of go down and whitewater is really not part of the equation. You're like in a bathtub, just like, you're more spraying other people, having fun jumping off the raft, that kind of thing. We used to do that in the Russian River up in the East Bay. That was not really whitewater rafting. you see one little rapid, like, okay. But then there's another kind of whitewater rafting which is like, yeah, white water is a good description of this. And I have to admit, I didn't say this at the time, but I was thinking of the kids and even Cindy a little bit. I'm like, I, oh, I'm nervous it's gonna be that one. And sure enough, we were coming to this river that I, had, I knew nothing about, it was out of country. And before we even got there, I already heard that it was the, this kind of river. <laughs> and then I saw it, and I'm like, oh boy. And it's the kind of river where it's like the guide, first of all, you're halfway down the river here's what you do if you fall in kind of thing it's like okay and it it was a blast we ended up being safe and it was it was fun I'm glad the kids got to enjoy that Uh, but if you've ever been to a river like this or even just a river in in the direction of that you know that rivers can can have very strong currents and it can be deceptively so I mean you look at the current and on on the surface it seems like the river is not really moving but if you just try to wade into that, it doesn't even have to be that deep. You try to wade into it, let alone swim in it. You, just, you start heading, it sweeps you off your feet, takes you downstream. If life is like a flowing river, it came to me in that vision moment. If life is like a, a flowing river, then there's a strong current in the Silicon Valley to find our ultimate hope in life and in things that just cannot deliver, will not deliver. There's a strong current here in the Silicon Valley what forms does that current take? Uh, If you've been here for a length of time, you don't even have to have been here that long. You know the forms it takes. It takes many. But one form that current can easily take, of course, here in the Silicon Valley, is finding our hope, meaning life in our career. You know, making it big, padding our resumes. And here's the thing about, you know, life like a flowing river and there being a strong current. Things don't just have to go poorly for us to feel the effects of us having put our hope in life and ultimate meaning in that. Uh, we've all been there. We understand that if things don't go well, we, we've placed an inordinate amount of our hope in light and, it, and it tears us down. But it can also be the same, it can also be true that if things go really well for us in the Silicon Valley, say in our career, that we are swept up in that current. And I imagine many of us, if not all of us, No people in our lives where we've been, quote, unquote, they've been, quote, unquote, successful, but but things like greed and selfishness and all the rest of it have swept them away. Uh, There's the form of the strong current here uh, can take the form of whether or not we'll be able to own a home. I mean, we all know it's exceedingly expensive to live here, and it's just there's a a low-grade anxiety for a lot of us related to that will i ever own or if i do own why, why isn't it that kind of house or in that kind of place it can take an inordinate place in our hearts as we look to it for hope meaning life or when will i finally be able to move over there where i can get that a strong current can take the form say for parents in getting our kids ahead boy if you're not in that current that's a strong current Am might utilizing enough resources to get my kid ahead, to give them the opportunity? Are they in the right school? and in the right programs? And Did you know youth sports recently overtook the, the major profit leading of sports over professional sports in the U.S.? It's incredible. Now, we're in that, so I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, but it's still shocking. And what's crazy about that, just to play with this a little bit, is you could feel like on paper you've done everything right and yet still feel like, oh, I don't know if this is working out a strong current this current can take the forms and, and so i mean we just go on and on and make a list in fact i wonder what the current the forms of the current you feel like you can get swept up away it'd be worth doing some introspection there but if life is like a flowing river there's a strong current in silicon valley to find our ultimate meaning hope and life and things that cannot will not ever deliver but jesus said Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, from within them will flow rivers of living water. In other words, in Jesus, in Christ, there's a new current, if you will, that when we find our ultimate hope, meaning in him, there is life, and life to the fullest, as he says elsewhere. Rivers of, of living water. Jesus was watching this little ritual of the jug being poured out. Priests coming and everybody singing about salvation flowing from the water. And he knew what they all knew then, and that is that they would have to continually need more and more of that water. And he just, from the depths of him, he just felt like, man, he had to risk it all, risk his life to say something about, to put this invitation out there, because this is what he came to do. This is what he came to offer. If you were here a few weeks ago, I guess it was over the holiday weekend, Shauna Pilgrim was here. And she actually happened to teach from John chapter 4. So just three chapters back from where we are. And here's how how Jesus said it in, in that text. He said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He was referring to well water at that point. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is what we're about here at Current receiving, living in, and offering this living water that God has so graciously given us through Christ. And offering that to one another. There's a strong current here in Silicon Valley. That current, by the way, is everywhere apart from the Lord. It takes its forms here, but we want to offer this new current, this life, this living water to those who would receive it. And that starts with us, which means, current family, that there's no soapbox for us to stand on. There's no higher ground of moral superiority for us to look down from because the reality is we need to drink from this as we offer it to others ourselves. If life is like a flowing river, then there's a strong current in the Silica Valley to find our ultimate hope, our ultimate meaning in things that just cannot, will not ever deliver. But in Christ, Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, from within them will flow rivers of living water. This is what we're about. This is our vision. This is who we are. This is what we want to make available. Two values of ours uh, come out of this text that I want to focus with the remaining of our time on. This text highlights two of our values. The first one is we aim to be a church that's accessible. We want to be accessible. This is one of our values. We want to be a church that's accessible. Jesus cried out in this loud voice, Let anyone, let anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. And he said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within. Anyone can come, whoever believes. Jesus was constantly, all throughout the gospel accounts that we have recorded in the scriptures, he was constantly making himself available to anyone and everyone who would receive him. And he was constantly using plain language, language that everybody would understand. So on the one hand, This wonderful invitation that he makes available to us all is incredibly inclusive. He says, anyone can come, whoever would believe in me, let them come and drink. It's incredibly inclusive. In fact, for Jesus' time especially, he was revolutionary in terms of allowing anyone and everyone come, receive and follow him, breaking down all sorts of barriers. And the same, same thing is true today. You can come to him, whoever you are, Wherever you're at religiously, no matter your race, gender, your social economic status, anyone and everyone can come. It's inclusive in a sense, even as his invitation is also exclusive. Because if we're paying attention here, we see that Jesus highlights a requirement here. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. The requirement is that we recognize that we acknowledge our thirst. The requirement to come to Jesus, as he says it, is to acknowledge, put differently, our great need. Uh, Jesus said, whoever comes to me as the scripture has said. If there's anything that the scripture principally teaches is that God created us to be in relationship with him. He loves us. He, he, he made us to be in relationship with him, but all of us decided to reject him and regular reject him. That's what the Bible calls sin. We do things that are not according to His will for our lives, and you know what? We don't have to be religious to understand these things, and we don't have to just see it in the the violent murderer. God's standard we just we don't live up to, and we understand God doesn't like lying, cheating, harshness, impatience, selfishness, pride, greed. We know the list, and yet this is regularly, repeatedly, things that we do and do that hurt others things that we regret and because of that we're ultimately separated from the lord he's holy 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 as we as we sang earlier and he's perfectly just meaning he can't just say well you know what we'll just bend the standard if he did that well what's the use of the standard god created you and me to be in relationship with us but we have all rejected him because of choosing to live apart from him but in loving us so much he didn't want us to remain there and so the gospel, or literally the good news, is he sent his son into the, wa- into the world to provide a way, to provide us with living water. And that's what Jesus came to do. Not just to risk his life, to say, here's an invitation for living water, but ultimately on the cross to give his life, to give us these rivers of living water, dying on the cross for your sins and mine, that whoever would believe in him, he would give forgiveness Grace and receive us back into relationship based not on what you or I could do, but purely on what he has done and accomplished for us. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And Jesus, like he did then, makes it available today, this invitation, let anyone who is thirsty come to me, whoever. And if that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity later to receive him, receive what he has done for you. Believe in his name. We want to be a church that's accessible. That's why I say every week, and Cindy said it today, we are a community following Jesus together, and you're welcome wherever you're at on your spiritual journey. We aim to be a community where people can find and figure out Jesus, hear his claims, make up their minds. We want to be a place that's accessible. And what you'll notice about Jesus, including in our text, is he never forces anybody to follow him. Uh, look at verse 40. We're told, On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is a prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Uh, these people groups actually fit neatly into three categories of people in terms of their responses to Jesus. And these same categories exist today. Uh, first, you have the curious. These was, this is the group that said, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. These guys were curious. They were, on, they were headed in the right direction in terms of their understanding of Jesus, but Jesus was not a prophet. Pointing a way to God, Jesus literally came saying, I am the way to God. He didn't say, come and believe in this doctrine I'm teaching. He said, come and And believe in me follow me drink from me and then you have the the convinced these are the people that said he is the messiah Uh, we don't understand if they had it all figured out their doctrine but they understood that jesus in some sense was a savior so they seem to be convinced and then the last group what i'll call critics Uh, these are people who they said uh, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Doesn't the doesn't scripture say that he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem? Apparently they didn't have the vantage point of our American Christmas carols and how Jesus was born in oh little town of Bethlehem and all that. Um, I mean, in all in all realness, yeah, they didn't have necessarily direct access to that, but they, they were unaware that Jesus was in fact born in Bethlehem, out of the line of David, but he had basically had to flee Bethlehem, his parents had to flee Bethlehem when when the king Herod at the time gave an order to kill all the little baby boys at the time. So Jesus actually, when he came back as a refugee, he came back and grew up in Nazareth. So he he was born in Bethlehem. People to, but the sad, ironic piece of, of these folks who were criti- critical about it was they didn't look into, verify it. I mean, here's Jesus making these incredible claims and actually the very thing that they were saying, oh, he lacks credibility for this reason was one of the things that if anything, gave strong evidence for him being the one that they should have been looking to. And I would just ask, which, which of these categories do you find yourself in? And I would say, if, if you find yourself in the third category, I, I think this text gives us both an encouragement and a warning to look into things a little bit more further. It's so easy to think we got the claims of Jesus figured out, but it's just, well, the news or whatever we've, we've kind of heard down the years, but we've never looked into it. These Friend, if that's you, these promises are too important to not look into further. And we want to be a community that's accessible. So, if this is you, or if this is your coworker, or if this is your neighbor, we want to be a place where you or they can come into this and, and find and figure out who Jesus is, hear his claims, make up their minds. And I would just say if this is you, or if this is a coworker of yours, stick around or invite them out. Because in a couple of weeks, as Cindy was mentioned earlier, right now we're doing this vision series, which we're really excited about. I'm hoping you can glean from this. But right after the vision series, we're doing this, we're joining this church, Bay Area church-wide initiative called Explore God, where we're all looking at these questions that Cindy highlighted, and we're going to do messages based on talks, based on sermons, and then groups, discussion groups for those who want it. And we just encourage you to come out and look into these claims of Jesus to make up your mind. For yourself So we want to be a church that's accessible. Second value you see here highlighted in this text is we aim to be a church that's outward focused. Look back at thir- uh, verse thirty-seven. Jesus said, "Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them." By this he meant the Spirit. Excuse me. Whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So John, the the gospel writer here, is of course, in speaking about the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, one of of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when he says that Jesus had not yet been glorified, that the Holy Spirit hadn't yet come because he hadn't Jesus hadn't been glorified, he was of course talking about Jesus' death and resurrection. That after Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus would give to all his followers his Holy Spirit. And this is a a, a wonderful promise coming to the disciples and made available to followers today. Uh, It's it's kind of funny. At one point, this totally makes sense given their vantage point. But there's at one point the followers are listening to Jesus saying that he's getting ready to leave them. And they are bummed out. Actually, that's probably a light way to put it. They were really disheartened. Like, Jesus, you're telling us you're going to leave us? You can't leave us. And Jesus, classic Jesus, comes back with, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Could you imagine hearing that? Like, where are you going with that, Jesus? It's like, whoa. He said, I'm actually really, essentially said, I'm really excited for you that I'm leaving. The reason is because when I leave, I'm going to send you what he was calling in, in, in that scripture, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send him to you. He's going to be an incredible gift because he's going to be me. He's going to be God in you. And this Holy Spirit that I'm sending, he's going to guide you into truth. He's going to show you and remind you of right and wrong. He's going to remind you of me and what I'm about. He's going to convict you of sin in order to help you have a repentant heart and and receive forgiveness and grace. And he's going to, through you, help you help others find their need for Jesus. And the, the wording that Jesus says here is so important. Grammatically speaking, he says, this living water will flow from within you. He didn't say this living water is going to flow inside of you and remain there. He says it's going to flow within you and therefore through you. It's going to well up. It's going it's to come out of you. This harkens back to some of the earliest promises in the scripture. I love how, you know, the God in his, in his word, as the scripture has said, it all just kind of thematically lines up. God, in his original promises, it was always the same. God blesses his people in order to be a blessing. God blesses us with the greatest gift of all, eternal life, living rivers of living water, his spirit, such that we not just experience that and keep it to ourselves, but that through us, he might make it available to those around us who can drink from that living water. Rivers of living water will flow within you, and we want to be a church that is outward focused. It is so easy. The human condition, it makes it so natural for us to be inward focused. And you know what? Christians are not immune to this. Churches are not immune to this. In fact, if anything, we believe this value so strongly, we want to go ahead and assume we're probably at any given point becoming too inwardly focused. Now, please hear a little pastoral sidebar here, especially if you're new. We are called very much so from these same scriptures to care for those inside the church, okay? So I'm not saying we don't care for those inside the church. In fact, Come over the next few weeks as we do this DNA vision series, we're gonna be talking about some of that, right? But we never take care of the people in the church at the expense of taking care of those not yet in. Does that make sense? Jesus told a story, he gave a parable that to me is just really classic in this regard. He talked about how a shepherd left the 99 sheep in order to go after the one lost sheep. What's fascinating about that story is in telling it, Jesus doesn't say, and the shepherd before he left the 99 sheep made sure that they were in the care of another shepherd. Or before he left the 99 sheep, he made sure to put them in a pen where they were safe. He just says, his emphasis is, no, he left them in order to go after the one lost sheep. In fact, Jesus was also said of himself, I came to seek and save the lost we are called to take, one of, take care of one another, love, serve one another, but never at the expense of those not yet in the family, those not yet drinking from the Lord's rivers of living water. We are called to be outward focused, and we want to really fight to keep that. The Lord has given us his spirit from within us, rivers of living water, to make it known, make him known, make this water available to those in our lives. That's our calling. That's our assignment. So what does that look like? Well, it takes many forms, and we'll talk about some of that as we go through the series. But just just to think about it, just at the level of what does it look like for those who are followers of Jesus to, together with the Spirit, make him known. Let this living water flow from within us out of us to make it available to others. Um, By way of story, this last week, I think it was Wednesday, uh, Cindy felt a tugging on her heart to go uh, down the street and connect with uh, one of our neighbors. We, we know a number, a number of our, our, just about all of our neighbors. Uh, Cindy is exceptionally good at this, keeping in, in touch with all these, getting to know each other, building relationships. But she felt a specific tugging to go down about four houses or so to meet with our neighbor, I'll, I'll call her Kay. Uh, we've known Kay since before moving in the area, almost two years ago now, uh, from our local elementary school. She used to work at the local elementary school where our kids have gone. And so we knew her from, from there. And then it was crazy when we moved into this neighborhood and she was just down the street. It's like we begin to know her. Well, Cindy, on Wednesday or so, felt a tugging that she's like, I feel like God might want me to go down and, and connect with her. So she took our dog, who loves their dog, and walked down the street, knocked on her door. And as soon as she started to speak with Kay, she realized something, something was up. Uh, she had lost her voice and just been diagnosed with a very scary illness real fresh uh, and the treatment that she's going to have to undergo is, is also of the scary variety and so she's sharing this with Cindy and Cindy's, sh- and uh, uh, she asked Cindy if she would pray for her now she's not Christian Kay doesn't go to church but she knows Cindy, she knows what Cindy's about asked Cindy to pray for her so Cindy's like of course I'm going to pray for you, laid a hand on her prayed for her and when they opened their eyes after praying Streams of tears were coming down Kay's face, and uh, I got I got home later. And Cindy, this is the, this is what Cindy said right after when I saw her. She's like, "I think the Holy Spirit did something." Uh, our hope and our prayer is that Kay and her husband will come to Current one of these times. Our hope and prayer is that Kay and her husband may even come to explore God. Our hope and prayer is that Kay and her husband. Uh, we'll have the opportunity, Cindy specifically, we'll get a chance to point them a little bit more closely to the Lord and his living water through what Christ accomplished for them on the cross if they would receive it by faith. Uh, this is our calling, church family. I mean, in our text, Jesus stood up and with a loud voice cried out because he's just seeing all this. He's just like, i got to say something. Isn't, that's a description. It's not necessarily a prescription. We see over and over again, Jesus didn't have to like shout out things. Our Our aim as we are outward focused and trying to be accessible is just to surface as followers of Jesus and make him known and and let him do the work. You know, in the case of Cindy, Cindy's really incredible. It's not so much that she has discernment. She's like always thinking about God and how he's moving, although she does do that. More that she's just listening and willing, frankly. She's like, I don't know. Maybe she would have come back that night and be like, I just took Cordy for a walk, her little dog. She came back saying, I think the Lord think like the Spirit's doing something. This is our calling. People who have graciously, by, by God's movement in their lives, made his living water available to us, letting that water from within us flow outwards. This is our calling. We are current. We want to be accessible. We want to be outward focused. And if you're checking out the claims of Christ, we want to make this possible for you to figure out, make up your mind for yourself. No one wants to afford you. No one, no one wants to do any Drive-by guiltings, as we like to say. Just put it out there. Make, let you make up your mind. And for those of us who are followers, we want to, together with the Spirit, together in community, make him available to those around us. And what blows me away, sabbatical is a wonderful reminder of this, just getting a little bit of altitude and just remember, God has just been doing an incredible thing here at Current in us and through us. Not because of us. Actually, mostly in spite of us, theologically. Well, what a ride it's been and what a ride we hope and pray it will be into the future as we hope and pray that you do even greater things for his kingdom, and for others to receive his living water let's pray